Hello and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel with me, Laurie Dunsire, and my pal across the pond, Mark Donaldson, for the podcast dedicated still to the team that thankfully cannot lose this weekend. Although, um, I feel I, f- I feel we might be growing weary, Mr. Donaldson. You never guess from your uh, from your tone of voice what kind of mood you're in. My goodness me, is it going to be like this for the next hour? Yes. <laughs> Can we give any? What, what was last week's homework? Let, let's let's look at it, potentially some positives over the next hour. Favorite journeyman? There's some good ones. We've had some we've had some decent ones. Yes, favorite journeyman footballers. Yes. That's, okay, that's... so we've we've had that. Um, look, I think that this is going to be an hour of honesty. I know we had our statement special as well, but um, I'm not going to hold back today. There's things that have probably been said but need to be said again. Because it's 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 not good enough right now. But we'll get into that. We've got the journeyman as well. We've got we've got fun and games over the next hour. So your your voice your voice and the tone of your voice is going to improve, isn't it, Laurie Dunsire? Yeah, maybe. Are you are you are you, are you, are you you're trying to cheer me up? I am. Uh, yeah, I am. I am. <laughs> if we don't talk about football, we'll be all right. Like like last week. Last week was was. <laughs> Tangentastic. Yes, Tangenticity, the sequel. Um, we don't need tangents this week. Sadly, there's there's more than enough to talk about. Um, whether we really want to talk about it or not is a whole other ball game. But we have to. That's that's what we're here for. Um, so we will talk about Hearts um, against Kilmarnock and I guess the general state of play around Tynecastle just now. Um, we will talk about journeyman footballers, as Mark says, and uh, with no Hearts game next week, thankfully we don't have to look ahead <laughs> to anything for now. <laughs> but um, I'm, I'm sure this will go in multiple strands and directions before the end. Okay, so Hearts played at the weekend against Kilmarnock. Now, what, what I do quite like is when we get um, people take the time to send us quite in-depth emails. We've had a couple after this game, and it helps me here especially because I get bored of, I guess, maybe saying the similar sort of summaries as before, and I'm sure it gets boring sometimes to listen to because it does feel like Groundhog Day time after time, especially this season and, I guess, largely over the last year. So um, we'll talk about a few things, Mark, but I thought it'd be good to... Um, I've got two emails, especially, I was going to go through. They're quite lengthy, um, but they go into a few good points. Points yeah, largely that, that I was going to make, and we can talk about it afterwards. So first up, um, Scott Coburn emailed and says, um, the biggest thing about Saturday was that game was lost from the moment we fielded that team. It was painfully obvious how it was going to go, and the apathy of the crowd reflected that. The questions just keep arising. The system 442 has come FFS. Um, we introduce a new system almost weekly, and then ask players to fit into new positions. Hickey, Claire, Meshino, and Smith are all shuffled about, and is it likely any player knows what they're supposed to do with any confidence? Why a back three against one striker? Why a back three when the personnel... Uh, and it being a home match lent itself to a back four. Why was Jake Mulraney at left back for their goal? Team C are back three and look at the beautiful open space we leave behind the wing backs. Was there a convention of defensive midfielders on in Edinburgh? We deployed we deployed three in one game, introduced a fourth, and then ripped it up and started again at half time. And then we put two midfielders up front, one of whom is Sean Clare. Last week he was removed from the team for his own good, Levine said. This week he's back in and played out of position. All that is almost academic now, but longer term, two things worry me more. We have been wiped out by injuries, and some such as Jamie Walker's unavoidable, yet others weren't. Connor Washington should never have played with an apparently tight hamstring. Stephen Naismith has had a series of niggles, but only now do we rest him, and poor old John Souter is out for two months before we discover the actual problem to rule him out for even longer. It goes on right up to Saturday when we risk Loic Demur, easily replaced, and then use up a substitution to take him off after 27 minutes, having done the same seven days before. And also Craig Levine's management of players. After the game, he blamed the players. Bit late for that card to be played, I feel. 
In particular, he said Aidan Keener wasn't proven at this level. I'm pretty certain that won't do his confidence much good. He also says the current team won't play soon when other players return from injury. Given our record, that's pretty. Em- that's a pretty empty threat. Overall, it's just really poor man management, and that is more damaging long term than a formation here or there. In fact, uh, it seems a huge sign that the manager has lost confidence in himself and panic is overtaking. Surely with an international break, Ambudge has to sit down with Levine and make the decision for him. With Rangers, Livingston, St Johnston and then Rangers again coming up, there is not much hope. Uh, there is not cause for much hope otherwise. And that's from Scott. Um, and I thought that was a really good email, touched upon some of the big points that, that I was going to make. And I, I, I'm going to guess some of the points you might have been looking at as well. My response to that is simple. Can't disagree with a single thing. And I would suggest, Laurie, that the majority of Harps fans, if asked to put down into words their thoughts, would be pretty close to everything that Scott has just said. I think that's an excellent summation. But it's now getting to the point where... If everyone else can see it, why can't the person who's in charge of making the decisions see it? That's the concern. Yeah, and I think one of the big points he made there, which is something I like have to note down to talk about, is when we saw the team, and it was in the press area, I mean, I guess one thing we didn't think was a back three. We all assumed a back four. Um, but we looked at the team and we're like... Where's the striker? Where's the strikers? He's like... And I, I didn't even get as far as formation. I'm looking yeah. at... And it's the, it's the way it's done now. Some some clubs do it, some don't. From a commentator's perspective, being lazy, it's ideal when you get the team information form. But hearts, <laughs> yes, hearts give you pictures and make it work. It, which is fine. No, no problem. And I'm thinking, okay, right. First thought, I messaged you. Where's Uche? Well, we subsequently found out it was a tightish hamstring, so he didn't want to take the chance. Okay. So where's the striker? Well, they're on the bench. Okay. So where's the other striker? Well, they don't exist. So to, to be honest, when he, when he played that, that formation without a striker, the four six zero for Scotland in Prague. It was it was it was looked upon, it was scrutinised because it was Scotland and, and every national newspaper, every radio, TV, and whatever. It was it was the only show in town. It was Scotland, so that's what happened. There were many other games on on Saturday, so there wasn't as much scrutiny on that. That 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 wasn't good enough. That that was that was abysmal. And you look at the team, and the first thing we were all talking about was. That's far too lightweight. That's that's easily to defend. I, I I could figure out a way to defend against that. What Meshino, Claire, Irving, you got Mulraney and Hickey. It was like, where's the, where are you gonna, where's the power in that? We've not got the, you know, you can see, you know, a Barcelona can play with no big physical players and play with a false nine and no strikers. Fair enough. But you, we don't have the personnel or the confidence or the ability to do that. It's not. Sean Clare's his blind spot. I think we've, I think that's pretty clear now. And I, I always think it's interesting when you have an opinion, you, me, whoever, but when, when, when you have a personal opinion about someone or something and you find yourself in the minority, then you kind of think, is it me? And not normally there's a majority viewpoint about something. And I'm, I've never once swayed on the, the Sean Clare bandwagon or, or whatever. I've, I've never been on it, but I'm never going ch- to change my thought until I see something that, that I, I, I don't have a choice. And I've got no, as I said before, I've got no problem changing my mind if I see something that makes me think I was wrong. But I'm not going to back down on this one. And I think the blind spot is that when you're a manager of a football club or when you befriend someone and it's your decision and you talk them up, like Craig Levine did right at the beginning about Sean Clare, when I read those comments, I'm thinking, wow, this is some player. So I did my homework. I'm good friends with Lee Bullen from Pennycook. He's a couple of years old, well, a few years older than me. We went to the same high school. We've kept in touch. He's the Sheffield United assistant manager. He was temporary in charge at the start of the season. Sent him a message. I'll, I'll, I'll not betray too much confidence. Um, but I got a response saying, good luck to the boy. It didn't work out for him here. Um, but, yeah, it was. It, it, the comments were interesting. And I'm not, I'm not quoting Lee because, I, I, as I say, I'm not going to betray confidence. But he was, he was slightly surprised. 
Um, and there were certain things for, for Sean that it was pretty clear that he's a talented kid, but there was stuff he needed to work on. So I'm like, fine, okay, I'll, I'll give the boy a chance. And then we've kind of gone through this whole process of when things are going well and he's doing well, he's great. He could be the first name on the team sheet. But when things aren't going well, at times it's like playing with 10 men. So that was the opinion I've had. And I was I was ready to, to, to change the opinion if I saw something that would merit that opinion being changed. I still haven't seen it. And then the comment about Sean Clare has been taken out for his own good. Now he's put back in. We've seen him at right back, and I feel sorry for the kid. He's never a right back, um, but he's been forced to play there. We're now seeing him as a striker or as a false nine or whatever. He's not that. He tried him as a centre midfielder or a defensive kind of holding midfielder at the beginning of the season. He's not that. So I don't know what he is. And I think Craig Levine now has got to the stage whereby it's it's just a, it's defiance. And the team itself, though, I mean, we, we spoke about it. We spoke about it last week. We said, why are we starting with three again? It never looks comfortable. It never works, really. And we always end up going back to four and having to reshuffle in the middle of a game, which is never ideal, having to you know, completely change your, your system during the game and obviously move players around and use substitutions up. Yet again, we started with three. And quite frankly, it was shite. We looked crap. I mean... It just, it's so easy to play against. And now I said in the game, I said at halftime, I said at the end of the game, you know, Kamarnik weren't, it wasn't like Kamarnik completely tore us to shreds, but they didn't need to. It was a very measured, we were so easy to defend against. And it was kind of like a, it was like a boxing match when one boxer had just a bit more reach than the other and just kind of had his hand on the other boxer's head. Just so you, I can keep you, <laughs> I can keep you here and you can keep swinging all you want. But I know for a fact I can keep you at this length and all I have to do is just find the right moment when you've tired yourself out to give you a wee punch in the face. And it was like that. You could see they were in so much control for for the entire game. We just did not look like we were ever... The only real threat was set pieces or at the end when we just launched. You know, And it's like law of averages. If you just chuck everyone forward and hammer the ball, the ball's going to fall into dangerous positions. It doesn't matter about... There's no quality about it. There's no measure about it. I thought, come on, it just managed the game through really well and it was just worrying how bereft of any inspiration we were and yet again we had to shuffle things and go back to a back four how on earth is our manager not seeing how crap we play when he shuffles things around like that it's just so worrying um and i just I, 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 there's no point in breaking the game down before beyond much we actually weren't I didn't think, you know, we, we can highlight the goal, which was a bit poor at the back post. But overall, we weren't dreadful defensively, but we just never looked like we were going to ex- put ourselves into a position to actually get a goal in the game. And that's worrying, especially since we actually conceded in the first half. So we had, a, we had the halftime break and we had the whole second half to try and change the course of the game. The second half was a non-event, you know, and Kamarnik, that's all they needed to do was, well, why are we going to come out and make and open the game up when we know fine well that you are that bad and that low in confidence that you're very unlikely to actually get a goal? Two things. One, I'm not a lip reader. I uh, don't profess to be. So again, stay in your lane. We'd never try and suggest what was being said. But when Craig Levine and Austin McPhee and John Daly were all together trying to come up with a solution, what was being said there? Who's listening to who? Because whoever it is, it's, it's not working. And two, he's 35 years old now, Chris Burke. He's five foot nine. He got 11 goals with Rangers, 15 with Cardiff, 25 at Birmingham, six at Forest, two on loan at Rotherham, one for Ross County, and now seven for Kilmarnock and two for Scotland. I don't know how many of those goals were scored with his head, but I'm pretty sure it's the minority. He's five foot nine. Jake Mulraney is not a defender. Why was he in that situation? Because he had to be because that's the position he was told to play. There was very little, if anything, that went right for Hearts. And you know what? If it continues this way, the same thing's going to happen over and over again. Now, the problem here is disillusionment. I had Liverpool against Leicester on the TV, like I normally do. I watch you on on one. I always have your commentary up, because Hearts are my team. And if if I'm able to watch them, if I'm home, that's what I do. And I've got the other one on mute. I wasn't paying much. After Kelly scored, to be honest, that second half, it was on. I was listening to it. I wasn't paying much attention to it. It wasn't until I spoke with my mum and dad um, on FaceTime a couple of days ago. And I said to them, how bad was it? 
because I always get your thoughts after a game on WhatsApp, and I like to call them, and because they've got season tickets back row, the the Gorgie stand behind the goal, and my my dad's just he's at his wit's end with them. He wants to go and watch Penny Cook every week instead. But my mum said something. My mum volunteers, uh, she's the head volunteer for the Ripple Retreat, which has been set up by a wonderful lady by the name of, of Lynn McNichol. The Ripple Retreat is near Calendar, and it's a five-star accommodation that provides uh, just a, a calm environment for families of, of kids that have got cancer. So she helps out there, and she's there every Friday, and she does whatever she can. And Lynn, a couple of weeks ago, said to her, got this thing coming up in uh, November or December, um, it's on a Saturday. Uh, I'm, I, I'll ask you any, but I know you'll say no. Is there any chance? She goes, no, I've got, I've got my heart, heart set at home that day. One of the things she did on Monday, she phoned Liz and she said, remember you asked if I could volunteer for that uh, event in November, December? And Lynn said, yeah. She said, yeah, put me down for that. But Lynn's like, well, I thought you said you had heart. She goes, I'm, I'm fed up. I just, I just, I'm fed up now because there's, what is there to look forward to? If that's my mother who... Mum and Dad are in their 70s. I used to love going. My mum used to take me to my, my first few games along. Dad then took me as well. And there's a family thing here. I, I don't want that disillusionment because I kind of live my life as a Hearts fan two ways. One, by watching it on a Saturday or a Sunday or whatever on Hearts TV with you and Jimmy or, or whoever. And two, vicariously through them. And I'll phone them up um, after the game, say, how was it? And we'll, we'll enjoy the Derby victories like we did recently. And when we'll go through and we'll have the gripes and and whatever, and I'm not saying we'll put the world to rights, but that that's the way we do it. And, and now I don't really want to talk about hearts with them. Now, if, if that is the epitome of of everyone else, um, or a, a large selection of hearts fans who speak to loved ones about their team or whatever, and there's such a dis- disillusionment, what next? Because it's coming to apologies for the long. It's not a rant here. Just I think it needs to be said. Um, what what is next with this disillusionment? Because we're in an industry um, now whereby you made an excellent point last week about hearts and how a business is run. But Anne Budge is used to dealing with a different business in which she was very successful in compared to this one. There's no point in six, nine months time when it comes to season tickets for there to be in a position or predicament where it's like a uh, 75% off, brand new sale, all the stuff, blah, 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 it's brilliant, come and get it. And no one's interested anymore because you're not going to buy stuff. And that includes season tickets. So there has to be an awareness that something has to change here. And it's not just because the football's shite to watch. And it hasn't just been since the start of the season. It's been for a while now, over a year. It's the disillusionment of maybe losing your next generation of heart supporters. Mm-hmm. Because if kids are growing up, Laurie, and they say to mum or dad, who do you support, Mum? Who do you support, Dad? Oh, we're Hearts fans. Oh, what are they like? Oh, um, I'll find something else then. Now, I'm not saying that... I, I want my kid, Ava Grace, to, to grow up as a Hearts fan, but she's she's in America, but I'll still preach to her that this is Daddy's team, and it always will be, through thick or thin. The problem is now, when it's closer to home, if if the son or the daughter says to Mum or Dad, uh, I don't want to be a Hearts fan because you, you're always miserable about them or whatever... We've got to do something. We've got to do it quick, please. Yeah, and you're right. It's not. It's not just about being crap because you know both of us have seen worse Hearts teams than this performing worse in terms of correct. Uh, pro- certainly in terms of results and probably in terms but some, of something's steps, been done but, about it, Laurie, hasn't it? Something's yeah, been done. There's both that and there's also in circumstances. You know, we've seen the club be terrible in circumstances that are very difficult difficult to. To kind of control whether that's um, finances uh, or you know whatever it might be, um, at the moment you know we're very we're very settled um, off the park in that sense. We've got a good sound footing in that regard, and you know it, we appear to certainly have some good decent resources. Whatever you think of the playing staff or not, you know it's we all know that we're spending um, you know the most apparently out with. Rangers, Celtic and Aberdeen. So you think you'd at least have a pretty competitive squad that would, I, I suppose, put on some entertainment and, and do well against the majority of the teams in that league. Most, you know, at home most weeks and away from home, certainly at least half of the time, maybe look like they're going to put something on. But we don't get anything. We don't get any entertainment. We don't get results. We get nothing. And I think that's a frustration now that they feel that 
the club went through the bad times and they accepted being bad when there wasn't much of an excuse. But there's no excuse for being this, for want of a better word, shite at this point. And you look at the league as well, and it was a point I was going to come to later, but you look at the likes of Livingston and Motherwell and Kilmarnock last season, and to this season to an extent as well, just teams with hard the resources far lower than what we have. Um, and, you know, in some regards, not even the, the same sound financial footing as us. Doing far better, putting on more of a show for their fans, doing better in terms of the league, and not even just doing better relatively in terms of what they have available, doing better than us, just com- direct compare- comparing them to us. And it's like, is this the best we can do? You're saying that no one's looking at this and going... No, there's absolutely no danger that another person could possibly do any better than this. Being what? At best, second worst form in the top flight over almost a year with the fourth highest resources? To me, that doesn't... You can't look at that in any way and think, nah, there's no there's no chance that you could change that and it would get any better. This is all we can do. It, it To me, it's just... It's got to a nonsensical point um and i quickly wanted to mention uh, andy grant also sent in an email um i'm not going to go through all andy purely because you mentioned a lot of similar things that um that scott mentioned and you know that's kind of reiterated i think by lots of hearts fans on social media and forums and such like but some other things he mentioned so he said um andy says levine's comments after the match are just once again bad yes the players need to look at themselves but how can anyone respect uh, a so 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 negative manager um, they'd they'd have to go rogue and play a completely different way. Uh, they are his players, his squad, his tactics. How can we play Meshino up front and then come out and say Kina isn't proven at this level? Um, how is Meshino proven? I think he's making a point. Kina may not be the answer, but he's actually played a lot longer in this country and had a decent lo- loan spell at lower league, um, and crucially, has you know had more time with his teammates, etc. Um, we'll never know if he's good enough unless we give him a run of games and what perfect time to do it when all our strikers are injured. If he isn't good enough, why is he here? Why didn't we get rid of him, get a striker that was available within the market? And he goes on to make a few other good points. But I thought that was another good thing to mention. So how come Aidan Keenan was okay to come on against Aberdeen in a big quarterfinal and step up and dispatch a penalty to send us there's, the, 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 there's There's a walking contradiction here of Craig Levine's interviews in the past and, and interviews now. And I, I want to hear it. I'm intrigued to hear what he's got to say. And, and coming out with both barrels, now blaming the players and saying, well, they, they need to have the balls to play at Tynecastle. <laughs> okay, well, who's picking the players and who's picking the formation here? Uh, just there's a lot, there's so many contradictions about what he said and, and what he has said. And we we're, we could go round in circles with regards to to, to the quotes, but well, do you want? I mean, do you want well, one that was and and I saw a few people looking at each other with confused faces when he said this at the time. I was in the I was in the media area. And yeah, he said um, one thing, and it's it's not a huge thing, but it's just again highlights. It just makes him sound like he's kind of lost things a little bit, and he he started talking about Stephen McLean and why he didn't play him, and he said he's played three games in a week. Um, and as he said that, I saw a few people glancing at each other going, three, three games did he play? Um, he didn't. He didn't play against Hibs. And he played six to eight minutes against Aberdeen. So he played a game and a half. So at that point, you're just like, does he not know who he's playing in different games? And it's just, and it's a small thing. I mean, it's not, it, it doesn't affect too much whether it, whether he said, you know, McLean was just tired or McLean specifically played this amount of games. But, it just it just adds to this feeling now that, and he he sounded a little bit lost in that press conference, and we've heard it a few times. You know, last couple maybe not so much because we were slightly more upbeat, but he just sounded lost again in that one and starting to throw the players under the bus. Fair enough, players have underperformed. I get that, but they've been underperforming for such a long time, and the the, the one constant here, you know, you, we can criticise Sean Clare and rightly so at times. But you can't just say that you take Sean Clare out when everything's right. And there's so many issues here. The constant is the person in charge and managing the whole lot. Okay. What 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 I would suggest everyone does is goes on to Google, and and I, I can I can send this to you, Laurie, and you can post it out on the the, the Twitter account that, that we have. This uh, which I'll send you is a link to an interview done by a Big Heart supporter and very good journalist, um, Ewan Murray. 
was an interview with Craig Levine in The Guardian from the 27th of October 2018. Hearts were preparing for the semi-final of the League Cup mm-hmm. against Celtic at Murrayfield. Things were going well. They were six points clear at the top of the table at that time. And Craig Levine, thankfully, had recovered from uh, the health issues, the heart attack yeah. that he had. Okay, but there's a quote. And I want to just talk you through um, this quote here. So he, he's talking about um, the Hearts players. And this was to do with the kind of tail end of season 17-18. And here's the quote. Last season was horrendous relating to season 17-18. Every week there was a problem. I had to cajole people, whip someone, or come up with something different to keep them motivated. This group is self-motivated. Even training is amazing. I take them all on a tour of the stadium. We go to the museum, to the memorial garden, and I watch them when I'm talking to them to see if they're interested. It's amazing how many of the players who came in over the summer asked questions. This is the summer of 2018, and we're really into the history of the club. That's critical, because the more connection they have, the better the chance of them playing well. They're interested in hearts, not just, oh, I'm playing for a football team in Edinburgh, or how much is my flat? That's just a little thing about him saying how the season before was horrendous, but at that stage, when they were six points clear, he said the group is self-motivated, even training is amazing. It, was, it wasn't long after that defeat at Murrayfield to Celtic and the injuries to Stephen Naismith and various others, and things just unravelled. So as you say, the one constant here, and we have seen a number of players, a number of turnovers of players, the one constant here is, is Craig Levine. Now, We've said it before. I don't want anybody ever to lose their job. I've worked in this industry long enough to see too many of my friends lose their it's 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 horrible. It's gonna swear them. I don't want to. It's absolutely horrible because it's livelihoods at stake as well. However, this isn't a we want Craig Levine to lose to lose his job. I don't care if it's Craig Levine, John Robertson, whoever in this predicament, if it was you, if it was me and I was I wasn't me talking about me in this position, it's not been good enough. It's not what you signed up for, and he shouldn't keep his job. That that's that's the issue. It's not a personal thing. No, and the thing is with football, and I mentioned it previously that um, football management is extremely cutthroat. Um, Correct. And it's one of these. It's not. It's not your regular job. So you get paid a lot more than a you know a regular job. But but what we might do, or whatever you might be working in an office, a shop, or whatever your job is, your normal day to day job. You don't have that pressure that you can lose your job after maybe, you know, it could be a month of some poor results. I mean, to be fair, depending on how you, your, what job you're in, you might actually lose your job if you have a whole month of not performing. But do you know what I mean? You've got this, what they have is you'll get paid a lot more for being a football manager than a normal job. And to be honest, you have that fallback. The football managers don't get sacked and they need to think of how they're going to pay the next bill because you're generally contracted to at least the end of that season, so you'll generally be able to find yourself paid up. So, And I'm not saying that necessarily means it's a nice thing. It's never a nice thing, but when you sign up to that gig, when you're in that gig, you know, you're in the limelight, you get more money than a normal job, you get a little bit more security in terms of what you get back pay, especially, I suppose, if you do lose your job, but you know you're at risk and you're in this industry where it's not, you can't have too much um, sentiment about it because if someone, if it's not working, it just, it, it, everything, it, it's the be all and end all of football club, really, at the end is the football results. So it doesn't matter what else is going on if that person who manages the team, and because players are contracting and it's not, you can't just sack players, it's the way it is, it's always the manager that, that takes it, and that's just the way it is. It's just, it'll, it'll, it'll always be that way, I think. Mike, Michael Stewart said something, and I'll keep this one brief because I'm, I'm, I've wobbled a lot today. Um, he, he, he basically said, and, and Budge is in danger of undoing so much of the good work that has mm-hmm. been done. Yeah. And, I, and I, I, everybody has to agree with that. Yeah, no, completely. I mean, you know, we're, we're talking, we're on our 50th episode today, which we haven't got to yet. Um, but in the theme of that, if you look at even the last 50 Premier League games under Craig Levine, now this includes that sensational start to the season we're still at a 36 percent win rate and that's 50 league games and that's with almost half of those victories are made up in two and a little bit months at the start of last season um 
so just even looking at that very briefly, I mean, that's that's not making the statistics suit because you could easily just do the last 11 months and it would look bloody awful compared to that. That's 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 try that's almost dressing it up. 36% win rate. That's unacceptable. What one one win every three games in a team for a club which we know has the top a budget in the top third of the teams in that division. This should be what even if you do a rough rough mass you should be looking at what twice that. I just mm-hmm. it, just totally totally unacceptable. And it's just it's tire it, you know it, it's tiring going over it time and time again. Um so, but I think the main problem, and you highlighted it with talking about your your parents there, and I I could list lots of other people as well, but there's no point because we all know people who feel the same. It's apathy now because I think the, the protests, it sort of, it kind of was at its height with protests, but I think it's now getting to the other side where people are like, well, what's the point? That's you know, an interesting, that's an interesting, interesting point. I thought about this the other day. I thought, oh, I wonder if there'll be a, and then I thought, you know what, people can't even be arsed. They just won't go to the can't, game or they're just they, sitting be quiet. Yeah, and even, even if you're there, Laurie, I can't be arsed going around from the wheat field to the main stand. What, what's the point? A lot of them will be saying that. What's the point in the protest? It's total apathy. And there's more and more empty seats at Tynecastle. Yeah. There's yeah. more and more tickets being unsold. There's more and more season tickets not showing up. And how about this? For a tweet by a Kilmarnock supporter called Craig Anderson. Scottish Premiership wins at Tynecastle in the last <laughs> six months. Kilmarnock, two. Hibernian, one. Motherwell, one. Rangers, one. Hearts, nil. At Tynecastle, in the league, in the last six months. If ever one tweet could be a microcosm of a team's problems, I think I've just read it out. Yeah, and Craig Fowler looked at... Um how long Hearts have gone without a win at Tynecastle, a league win at Tynecastle, in terms of duration, you know, duration of time as opposed to matches. Um, and by the time we get to the Rangers' home game, um, I think he said it would be the longest since 1980, possibly, um, in terms of length of time. Uh, and that was a shit show back then. That was when you were playing against teams in, in the, the lower reaches of, of Scottish football where it was it was just a, a shocking time in the in the, the future sorry in the, in the in the history of hearts but did we not have a spell going into the Hibs game whereas if we was it if we hadn't won that game or if yeah. we lost that game it would have been the worst run in, in history if we'd failed to beat Hibs it would have been our longest winless run in club history oh, um, I mean what, what needs to happen here before the penny has to drop? I, that's the thing. I mean, yeah, we can, we can, we can, we can go over and over with it. But I'm, I, I feel the, I feel the kind of, just the, the, the weary, the weary feeling that goes around just now. That you just, well, what, the, the effort even just to keep going over it is it, it just seems futile because I just don't know if they'll ever make a change. You know, maybe at the end of the season it will come, but it's gonna be too late for a lot of people. I no, think. I think the, the horse is, the horse is gone by then. We've got Rangers at home, very tough. They're the form team in Scotland right now. Yep, yep. Livingston away, they've just beaten Celtic at home. St Johnston and Hearts are the team. If if one other team needs a win because they've been on a shit run of form or whatever, it's like, oh, we'll give Hearts a call, see if they want to play so we can, we can get up and running. St Johnston away, Rangers in the cup. Can you see any wins out of those four? I don't think I can. Then what? Did we just keep going? Oh, it's St Mirren at home next. We'll win that. No, it's not how this works. You can possibly maybe see us in Johnston one because it's away from Come on, home. Really? Less, no, less I, pressure, I know, and they and they are really know, bad. It'll be a it'll be a game of two really bad teams. Yeah, but I mean we're we're in a we're in a situation there. If we lose to if we lose to Rangers, which is likely at Tyne Castle. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, and if St Johnston beat us, they go above us. And if all it all it needs is Hibs and St Mirren to pick up a couple of points, and we're bottom of the table. Goodness me! I mean, how much longer? What do we? What do we keep? What do we do here? We just we just expect something to happen because it ain't going to happen. What needs to happen? Let's come back to that statement. And now there's frustration in my voice, as opposed to kind of apathy and disillusionment. It's just it's everything. And I think I'd like to think that, that this whole podcast it, it kind of encapsulates. I would probably say the majority 
of our supporters. There's obviously those that still want to be patient, and that's fine. It's subjectivity. You're in, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. I think it's a minority. Um, a, mino- a minority at this stage, certainly. Well, yeah, of course. That's why least. I think yeah. our frustration, our apathy, our disillusionment. We're customers ultimately, and that's the thing. You've got a choice. You're in town. Oh, let's take a trip to Town Castle. Things are going well. Let's go in the club store. Let's buy. Spend a hundred quid or so. Let's go and buy stuff for the kids or for me or for for your mum or or whatever. Oh, we've we've won once this season. That 100 quid, what do you want to do? You want to go to Tyne Castle? You want to go to the club store? No? You, you want to go to the movies? Yeah, probably. We'll spend it on popcorn and whatever. It just it has this effect. It's a, it's a rolling effect, the apathy. It's a, you're not going to supplement the coffers of, of the football club. You want to be proud. You want to be someone who, who tells everyone you're a Hearts fan, who wears the gear, the merchandise, buys that, buys into this. Because there's so much money has been given to the football club to help the foundation of hearts and, and everything like that. And as I said before, everyone's entitled to their own opinion about what they do. I would really, really hope this is a long-term thing. This isn't a, we're shite right now, I'm going to withdraw my money. Please don't. If you can afford it, keep doing it. But there comes a time, Laurie, whereby you're like, well, if you're not in, in full agreement or um, you don't have trust in the people running the football club right now, I can understand why there are people saying, you know what, what why are we doing this? Why are we giving money? And I, I don't want anyone to stop their monthly deposits because it's it's a much bigger thing than, than the short-termism right now. But you, you've got to have an element of trust in the people involved in the football club that they know what they're doing. And for me, the one thing that would ensure that I'd be trustworthy of the people in charge is if the decision was made right now to find an alternative head coach for the football club. That would renew my, I'm not saying enthusiasm, it would certainly go a long way to, to making us lose the apathy, lose the disillusionment, and lose the, 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 the kind of negativity that, that we have right now as heart supporters. I think it's a good time to move on, I think. Mark. Oh, phew, thank you. I think... a, bit, a bit more light-hearted <laughs> from now on, please. I, th- I think, Mark, um, uh, summed it up very well at the end, and I'm sure we'll, we'll go there again before too long, don't worry. Um, but last week, we put the homework question out to you, which was your favourite journeyman footballers. Now, ah, good. Now, be- before we get into these, is, <laughs> one thing that came up when I was looking through these is your definition of a journeyman footballer. Now, I, I realise that people look at this in maybe different ways. When I think of in a football sense, I think of players who have been around, basically. They've been, in, they've been around club to club, never overly spectacular. But, but to me, it's always about the being around lots of different clubs, that they kind of travel around a bit. Um, however, I'm aware that people often look at the definition as someone who just is never quite the star, but is always there. He's always kind of just just pottering along, doing his thing, but never quite spectacular in terms of what he does football-wise. What do you think of the, the definition? Because we've had we've had a few different kind of suggestions for journeyman football, but to me it's, it's always been about the going around different clubs. There was a reason I asked the question in as few words as I, as I did for your homework, because we, we speak a lot about subjectivity, Mm-hmm. Journeyman, journeyman can be a lot of things, and and I wanted to get people's interpretation based on their yeah. answers about what what a journeyman is. And a journeyman, just to give you some names, and I don't want to spoil some of the answers because I know I saw a couple of tweets about them. Um, Wayne Foster was a journeyman. He did. He wasn't a regular, but he's known. People still talk about the the goal at Easter Road. Didn't do much else. Had a lot of pace, but wasn't a star. He was a journeyman. He went from. X to Y, and he's in a postman in, in Edinburgh or Midlothian or, or whatever. Lovely guy. He was a journeyman. Um, journeyman can be good as well, but they, they're never the best. Or journeyman can be yeah. can be what one... Willie Jimison, for me, always gave everything. Remember, he scored a stunner late on against Celtic. He's a journeyman. Ian Jardin, another one. He's never going to be the first name on the team sheet, but he was always... He was always that Mr. Reliable. And that's a journeyman to me. It's it's apparently... Well, I looked it up because I always thought of it as, you know, someone who goes around lots of clubs. And apparently that's a 
British and Australian thing. If, if you want to use the, the wonders of Wikipedia, apparently in American English, a journeyman or journeywoman is an athlete who is technically competent but unable to excel. But when used elsewhere, such as British and Australian context, it refers to professional sportsmen who plays for numerous clubs through their career. So that's uh, yeah, the, the, yeah. The American, the American, um, it's a noun for a worker or sports player who is a reliable, who is reliable but not outstanding. That that that's the the American equivalent of it. A journeyman's a worker skilled in a given building trade or craft who successfully completed an official apprenticeship qualification or someone who's reliable as a sports person but not outstanding. That's that's pretty fair. Yeah, well, I I, I always think to the British one. Um, but, likewise, likewise. But but anyway, anyway, let's let's get into it. Yeah, again, we do like a little bit of um, digressing. Um, Flitch says favorite journeyman: Neil Berry, Ian Jardin, and John Miller, in no particular order. John Miller, good, um, good player. So yeah, to me, because there was that one when Flitch messaged me, I was like, those players are all a little bit before my time. But I was like, was Neil Berry not at Hearts for ages? And he he was. He was at Hearts for twelve years. Mm-hmm. One of one of only his five clubs, but. In the the American definition, I suppose yes, he was a journeyman, but um, he always seemed like a popular player. As I say, it was yeah. before my time, so I can't really comment too much on him. But um, I was ne- never a fan, and, and he- here's our first real kind of tangent of the day: facial hair. Right, I, I don't trust goalkeepers with beards. Is one thing, <laughs> but Neil Berry had a blonde moustache. There really is no point if you're fair-skinned and blonde hair. Don't have a moustache. It just looks like you've just come out of a filming of some sort of dodgy DVD that you would pick up three for a tenner at the Barras. Do you don't know who had that. a worse? Do you know who had a worse moustache? Jimmy Sanderson, blonde hair, curly moustache. No, it, he, he looked like Poirot's Scandinavian cousin gone wrong. It just doesn't work. And then you stick him in a candy-striped uniform or jersey or uniform. Listen to me, Jesus, yank. Um, no, no. If you have blonde play hair... In, play him in offense. Yeah, upper 90. Um, if you've got blonde hair, which some people have, and you grow a moustache and your moustache is darker, no problem. But if your moustache is blonde or lighter, just don't do it. It's wrong. <laughs> That's rascal behavior. Harry Temple says, my favourite journeyman is the one and only Andy Thorne. He came, he yes. sat, he played for one game and disappeared, but it was a cracking game. Um, and George Hobb also uh, mentions Andy Thorne, who, of course, famously signed for Hearts. He did play two matches, but um, the the one everyone remembers is the fact that it was the Coca-Cola Cup tie when Hearts had four players suspended after all being yep. sent off yep. at Ibrox. Um I get it's it's an interesting one because I suppose he he didn't dot about a whole lot Andy Thorne but that that just that that option to suddenly sign one it obviously doesn't work now because of transfer windows and such like but to suddenly just bring someone in basically for a game it's 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 almost like a kind of a Hollywood move isn't it like um, yeah. the, the 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 ridiculous circumstances that the team has everyone suspended and they have to turn obviously they wouldn't turn to some random they would turn to a supporter or some down and out guy, but do you know what I mean? It just down and out guy. Ah, you know the the the, the ex pro who'd been forced to retire with oh, injury. Right. Not not your your Bristol Square um, tenant super can guy who's like steaming and just gets no like, for the help. Yeah, you oh. know, if you set up the Hollywood story of <laughs> Hearts were playing Rangers and um, you know four players got sent off and they turned to the. Who could be in the Who could be in the crowd? Who'd been recently? Jimmy Sanderson's in the crowd. Doesn't even play anymore. He's doing commentary, and they go, "Jimmy, like we need someone. You're going to have to pull on the boots again." Um, that kind of ridiculous narrative. Okay. Not like Jimmy the Jakey. No, no. <laughs> okay. Um, fancy a little quiz. Um, Speaking of journeyman, yeah. there's a tangent. Um, well, I don't know if anyone's mentioned it, but obviously when you're talking about journeyman or, or whatever, one one hit wonders. Mo Berti. Mm-hmm. He played at Dense Park in a 2 0 defeat oh, in 98 99. Yeah. Right, oh, oh, good. So I wondered if this was before your time. Who came on for him when he was replaced after 73 minutes? Oh, God. Good question. It's it's something I would have seen at some point. I'm not going to look it up. Um, 98 99, we were bloody terrible at that point as well. Um, okay, <laughs> tell me something. Is it okay? Is it a player who played a lot for us or just not very much? He was a journeyman. Oh, he, he was a journeyman himself. 
Oh, God. Lee Makel? First name's right. Oh, Lee Jenkinson. Very good. Yeah, that's excellent. I thought it would take you longer. Your, your knowledge is very... I would, I'd have you as one of my teammates in a hearts quiz. As long as it's late 90s onwards. Oh, that's fine, because that's when you were born, I know. Um, yeah, Lee, Lee Jenkinson. As, as someone put, I think, on, on kickback many years ago, how bad was Moberti? The gaffer looked at his bench and thought, God, even Lee Jenkinson would be a better <laughs> option right now. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good barometer of how bad he was. Yeah, 20, 20 years ago. More than 20 years ago that happened. Oh. My God, I feel old. God, it feels like it's just as bad these days as well. Um, Other journeymen, who, who you got? There's let's some, see, some good let's ones see who we've got here. Um, Andy Morris. So Andy Morris gave me one. I've never, never heard of this. It's slightly before my time, though. He says, does, okay. it, does anyone remember Pat Byrne? 65 appearances with 11 goals. But this is interesting. I have no idea if this is accurate or not. But he says, didn't train with us as he lived in Dublin. Trained with Shelbourne and flew in for the Hearts games. Um, so, yeah, he, apparently, I looked at him, he played for a lot of teams, He mainly in Ireland, and he had a spell at Leicester before Hearts. So he certainly looks like a journeyman, but I would love to know if that's true. Um, so do, bizarre, do, living in Dublin yes, and training yeah. in... I mean, that that was time, times were tough at Tynecastle. That was, was around the time Gary Mackay started. So obviously when... When we sat and, and did his book, he told me about the early stages of Hearts, and it was the most unprofessional club ever until Alex and Sandy came in to try and put a semblance of professionalism about there. But there's a lovely picture of, of Paddy Byrne on uh, on London, London Hearts. There's not too many around. He looks like the guy you would find at your local race course, whispering things to bookies and then sprinting to his other bookie pal. And then the in the old days, before they had the electronic boards, where they used to put them up a black marker on a whiteboard, and the odds would quickly go from three to one to to five to four because there's been a lot of money. He looks like your horse whisperer, Paddy Byrne. <laughs> I'd like to be pals with guys like that because they know things. <laughs> they've they've got good contacts. Oh, they're well connected. Paddy Byrne. Okay, okay, I see. He's got he's got a, he's got a good moustache. That's a walrus. That's a moustache. That puts that puts the bum fluff on. Jim's, Jimmy's face in those pictures to shame. That's that's a proper tash. <laughs> we could have. We could... So they, they, yeah, they, they, apparently he was a youth at Rangers. Is that true? Let's have a little. Ooh. Anyway, um, but again, journeyman, so-called Rangers, if that's true. Bohemian Philadelphia Fury, Shelburne, Leicester, Hearts, Shamrock Rovers, Shelburne again, Cobb Ramblers, St James's Gate, Shelburne. Uh, played for Ireland eight times. There you go. Oh, there you um, go. Mm. So, yeah, Paddy Byrne. Bruce Cormack gave us Willie Jameson, uh, said Stevie yep. Boyack, but also said one that Boyack. I was one I was quite fond of. Uh, fond of? Fond of. Um, let's see if I'll give you a quick... Oh, here's a quiz for you. Um, a fullback who once owned a club in Glasgow. George Wright? No, played for Hearts in my time. A fullback? Not Tosh McKinley? No. He wasn't really a journeyman. So it's it still a journeyman kind of guy? Um... I wouldn't say I actually wouldn't say a journeyman in my definition um, because he didn't play for a huge amount of clubs. He played for another Scottish club before Hearts. That's not well. Fraser Wisher wouldn't own a club, I don't think. But no. he's, he's like PFA. Wasn't was it Scottish? If that that might help it. So he played for a he different. Wasn't club, Scottish. Owned a club in Glasgow. Alan Maybury. Nope. Uh, Patrick is not. Patrick is not. No. Would never own a club. Stefan Stefan Mahe. Pa- oh, Stefan Mahe. Because he he owned a club in um, in Glasgow at one point, which obviously I think he opened when he was at Celtic. And I quite like Stefan Mahe in his two years. Yeah, he yeah. Four, he had four but years at Celtic. A, and uh, another one, Laurie, of of this kind of the number of I think goalkeepers and left backs over the last thirty years, we've done all right with them, haven't we? I liked him. He was he was at the tail yep. end of his career, so you know he didn't have the legs he used to. But I thought. He had a bit of quality about him. Um, you know, he wasn't quite. It was a good. It was a really good Celtic team back then, and he obviously he was became a bit part player there. But I thought he did really well, and it was obviously under under Levine. And I, I I liked Stefan Mahe. I thought he did a good job for us over two years. Steve, Stephen Boyack was was an interesting shout. Yeah, yeah. I never, I never. He was a kind of. Uh, it wasn't a word from. It's just a. Uh, he, he was. 
I thought, you know, as much as we, we've, we've criticised Levine this spell, I, it was a, one of those players in Levine's first spell that you could tell they were very limited, but he managed to get, he managed to somehow get a lot out of him by keeping things very simple. I I thought he did really well with Stephen Black, who I thought was a, a kind of average top flight Scottish player, if you're being generous. But he, you know, we did, we, we finished third with him, supplying crosses, and I thought it was... I guess maybe when the days when Levine didn't overcomplicate things, kept it quite simple. Someone who I think he's is he now at Hibs on the coaching staff. I always got on really well with um, Bertie, as I called him, Bertie Bebop. Grant Murray. Yeah, yeah, he is. Um, a really a nice guy, honest. Never, never let the club down. Um, just a, a, a good, steady, never spectacular, but. He was always your six out of ten. Scottish Cup winner. Scottish Cup winner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so Bertie would be one of them. Um, can we put Robert Tomashek down as a, a general? Uh, I think he's a, he's, he's not he's better I liked than him. that, isn't he? I like yeah, him. Yeah. So did I. Injury, Classic injury, player. injury ruined him. I had to I had to retire after a spell at Hearts. Yeah. Um, we've got a few. Player. We've got a few. We've got a few good other a uh, few other ones. Um, okay. Douglas Turner. Uh, a name, obviously, I know, but not one I would have seen. It said Drew Busby fire, firing the bullets supplied by Willie Hamilton. Um, okay. Ronnie McLean says Vincent Guerin. That's uh, that's one yeah. who again wouldn't fit into my journeyman because I th- Guerin was a player who I knew well as being a. You know, he was a bloody skillful player. N- nineteen cap, nineteen caps for France. He only had five yes, clubs total as well. Yes, but, super player. But we obviously got him right. We obviously got him right at the end. He um, was fighting some games. It was a, t- a it was a tough Garand jersey. I think it's thirty-seven or thirty-nine, maybe thirty-nine. Thirty-nine. Yeah, I've got an away kit of Vincent Garand. I don't know why. I think it was because I was the only one that said au revoir and bonjour to him, and he thought, "Oh, this boy speaks French." Pennycook High School French, pal. Je voudrais un pain au chocolat, s'il vous plaît. Nineteen ninety-eight, Hearts against Kilmarnock at Tynecastle. Um, I recall. I wrote a I wrote um, a report a school report for English on the game. I don't know how I managed to get away with doing a match report as a as a bit of homework. And I remember Vincent Guerin crashed a free kick cross off the crossbar from a good twenty five thirty yards, and that probably was probably a good way to to sum up his time with Hearts. You know, you could see there was quality there, and it was almost almost effective, but just not quite because he. Just a little bit too far gone. Yeah, you know, I, I like the I like the journeyman. It just everyone has a favourite, depending on the time that you kind of have watched Hearts. And we've spoken about the early two thousands here. I want to go back to the the early nineties and uh, a magical evening at Tyne Castle against Slavia Prague. A free kick was just belted, leathered by Glenn Snowden. And again, never really did that much, but he's he's remembered for for that 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 goal. Someone else you mentioned earlier, John Miller, which I like that as a shout. Um, a guy who I remember playing well in a game at Falkirk one day, but I don't remember how much of an impact he made apart from it. Steve Penny, a winger, quick, skillful, but he was around. He was the early nineties. He did he score? Anyway, he he was he was another player who a bit of a journeyman, but yeah, look back not fondly on some of these, but just just players that didn't do that much, but you remember them for for whatever reason for a specific game. That that's a decent definition of a journeyman, I think. Yeah, we got we got we got heaps more. Mark Thompson mentioned Igaris Jankowskis. Sixteen clubs certainly would fall into. My favourite definition and a good player, a quality good, good player, player, quality player, oh. yeah. Um, Mr. Craig, Champions League winner, he, he was oh. indeed. Mr. Craig McGill, um, he did mention Jose Katongo from a Hearts perspective, but said his personal favourite is Luca Toni, another another sixteen club man who obviously did the rounds in Italy and and elsewhere, and um, he was one that he had his last three years were were with Verona, all in the top flight. I remember, I remember it was only about what two or three years ago that he was still there. I remember seeing him in a game, and I was like, "Wait, is that Luca Tony playing in Serie A? How how is he still kicking about?" Um, who else have we got? Uh, Carmen Carter says, "Does Owen Coyle count?" Yes, he definitely does. Um, 
did the rounds. Eleven clubs, I count. You can tell I'm going for the the club count here. Um, yeah, and, and then as we said last week, it doesn't have to be a Hearts player; just people no. that you would consider. Gentlemen, Coyle, I remember a spell. Um, Bolton had a great run in the FA Cup um, early to mid-90s, maybe 92, 93 perhaps, and I think Owen Coyle was there. John McGinley played there. And it was at the old Burnden Park that had the supermarket behind it. And they were always on like match of the day. That's, that's, when, that's when the FA Cup meant something. And it's sad now how it's just a kind of... It's, it's getting like the League Cup in the early rounds where the, the Premier League teams just... It's a menace to them until the latter stages. But back then, the FA Cup, I mean, the, the Scottish Cup is still special, and I'm glad of that. I'm really pleased that it still means something in Scotland. But the FA Cup down there, just everyone had memories. Used to it, That was when it was on the same day. The Scottish Cup and the FA Cup were, were played on the same day. It's not anymore. And it, it, it's sad, but, but Owen Coyle had, had some really good, uh, good games down at Bolton. That's a good shout. We had a few more. I'm not going to get through them all, but I want to mention one more um, from Robert Martin, uh, who mentions a Craig Levine signing for Hearts. Um, it's a good shout as well. Uh, Jean-Louis Valois. Um, and it's not a bad shout. He's, 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 and he's got a right mix of teams. You've got Lille, Luton, Hearts. And it's funny, I, I was reading through the teams, apart from wondering who the hell Parkside Rangers are. There's this bizarre move. and I, I don't, <laughs> He played for Clyde for a month. Um, and he played in the Challenge Cup, and then he went. Well, to, did. And then he went to Burnley in the Championship from Clyde. That was the two. I was like, "Is that how it worked?" And I looked. I was like, that, "That's apparently how that one worked." And I was like, "That's such a bizarre um, up and down." You know, you, you you see players have this almighty, you know, downward spiral in their career um, when they get older. Obviously, when the legs go or whatever. Um, but you don't usually see that. It just seemed an odd change. He, he left Hearts, went to Almeria in Spain, joined Clyde for a month, didn't play a league game, played a <laughs> Challenge Cup game against Stranraer, and then signed for Burnley in the Championship. That's a journeyman. How does that work? Pro- pro- proper journey. Good. <laughs> just remember that game? He got the man of the match. Yes. And he scored yes. four. Sandy Clark gave a man of the match. Oh, I love that. Imagine that pronunciation, not the pronunciation, the presentation afterwards. There you go, Jean-Louis Valois. Congratulations. Bottle of champagne. Why? Pourquoi? Uh, because you're the man of the match. Well, the man alongside me has just got fun. Imagine De Vries. De Vries is one of the nicest guys in the world. But even he'd be thinking, what the actual fuck? <laughs> what do I need to do in this country to get man of the match? Some French guy comes around, dances about a bit, puts a nice couple of through balls and gets the man of the match. I love that. It's because it was done after, what, 85 minutes or something? Uh, I've seen a great one with that. I remember Hearts played, um, I hope I remember this right, because I've not looked it up. We were playing at Tanadice. I think we were winning 1-0. And obviously the sponsors, they always give it to the home player. It doesn't matter what the score is. (laughs) And they gave Morris Malpass the man of the match, and then he got sent off. Um, (laughs) Which is great. You've always got that risk, though, when you pick man of the match late on. But that was Journeyman Footballers. Good, Um, like that topic. It was good fun. So before we go, we don't have a game to look ahead to. So, um, yes. But this is episode 50. Yeah. 50. 5-0 of Scarves Around wow. the Funnel. And it, it's not qu- it's just slightly over the one-year anniversary. Last week would have technically been the, the one-year anniversary. But um, it's still going somehow. Double reason to celebrate. I remember first putting the idea, or you first had the idea, and whatever, and we thought it might work. And we had all these ideas of a commentator's eye will do a weekly feature about certain things you may or may not. <laughs> and nothing ever made it. It's just two guys talking shite for an hour, and people actually listen to it. So, Indeed. you know what? I, I enjoy doing it, though. It's a way of, of sometimes venting your anger, sometimes sharing in joy. Well, sometimes, very, very rarely sharing in joy, but... It's just identifying, as we did, a niche in the market. There was a couple of really good Hearts podcasts out there, but maybe they weren't as regular as some people would have liked. It, logistically, it's not been easy, given that we're on two different continents, doing two different jobs, um, with a five-hour time difference as well. <laughs> and that's when that's when um, we're both in the same place, because obviously we both travel, and that can make life life difficult. But if, you're, if you've been with us since the start, thank you so much for still being here. If you've joined us along the way, 
We really appreciate that. And I just, I love getting the feedback and I've got no problem if people disagree, as long as you're willing to, to kind of engage in a kind of back and forth without getting abusive or anything like that. I'm sure we'll, we'll find a common ground eventually, but if you're, if you're still listening, thank you. Thank you. Thank you indeed. Um, someone who listened to the podcast uh, asked me at the weekend, actually, so how, so how do you and Mark know each other? And I was like, uh, just because both support hearts and both have been involved at the club. I was like, to be honest, I said to them, I was like, we haven't really had an awful lot of contact until the podcast starts. So you could probably, uh, 95% of our relationship is probably what people hear on the weekly podcast, because apart from a couple of, couple of emails and messages um and because we never we never really overlapped did we i left no. in september 2010 i've done a few games for you when you've been unavailable to do it but it wasn't a case that you started in october 2010 no um there there wasn't an overlap like that so i hadn't met you until probably i came over for for a, a game that you were doing and i did it with you and it's not like a case of well you you see each other beforehand and you go for a pint or whatever I probably only got to the stadium an hour before kickoff. You were already doing your thing. It was like, oh, hi, I'm Laurie. Oh, hi, I'm Mark. And <laughs> yeah, we just, we, we, we just, I think we're kind of like-minded in, in the way that we, we want the best for hearts. Nothing's ever personal. Um, but I'm not frightened to, to, uh, to have pick you up on something. And I don't mind being at all being picked up on, on something that I've maybe said that you don't agree on. And I think it works. It does seem to work. So 50, 50, 50 wow. shades of maroon. You think, um, oh, there's your title. I like that. What What are we going to have as our as our going away closing <laughs> anthem today? Fuck knows. Um, I don't know. You think we'll get to a hundred? Mm. And do you think Do you think Craig Levine will still be in charge? If we do. <laughs> uh, yep. If we make it that far, and probably we'll, we'll probably be. <laughs> we're just about. We're almost in the cusp of being a, a good team. Um, and Mark Wells actually just messaged us, messaged us this evening saying he's uh, highlighting the fact Craig Levine is apparently going to be putting his team through a grueling training sessions after criticising them against Kilmarnock and um, that was quickly responded to by um, Andy Grant who said I remember the last international break when he's going to sort out the defence that went well um, so yeah it's to be just honest, Groundhog to be honest, did, did he say which defence he was going to sort out maybe he did Maybe he sorted out a local Feist team's defence. <laughs> Did he specify the Hearts defence? No. We, we jest. We jest. Before we go, I just want to just 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 make it make it better, please. Yes. Before we go, Ian Buckle actually very kindly messaged apt since we're talking about you know how things have gone with the podcast and says I don't. I think... don't want too much praise. Though. I don't. I don't. I don't like the self self praise is no praise. Well, this isn't self praise. This is from Ian. Ian says I don't think you guys realise the joy you bring to many Hearts fans every week with a podcast dedicated. That's why we should have started. Dedicated to the most frustrating team in Scotland. In brackets, still not as shite as the Hybies. I thoroughly love the tangents banter. You being a bitch, Laurie, or Mark Skidmark <laughs> stories. Oh, Heart, piss off. Hearts, hearts, glorious hearts. So thank you very much, Ian. Um, and thank you for people for tuning in. And, you know, keep the feedback coming, be it positive or constructive criticism. We accept both, gladly. Right, okay, before we go, we're going to have to put some homework out there because we don't have a match to talk about. Um, Yay! God, thank God for that. Um, International weekend. um, Yes. And I think, Mark, we're going to go with homework related to that in some manner. How about, just to keep it as less complicated as possible, just come up with a Hearts 11 who have played international football so they don't have to have played for their country while they were at hearts so you can have people like van sangaran you can have jim bett um you can have morris johnson and and all these places but your best 11 it doesn't have to be scottish either anything you want but they must be have played for their international team um let's take scotland let's take scotland off the table how about that? Ooh. So it doesn't. They don't have to have been capped while they were at Hearts, but take Scotland out of it. I think that just makes it more interesting. Do you think? Because you're immediately going to get yeah. Massa, you, Craig Gordon, Craig Levine, John Robertson. You're instantly going to fill it with obvious players. But if it's 
you can't be Scottish. So international players, not necessarily capped when they were at Hearts, but players who played for the country and played for Hearts, but not Scottish players. That, that's good. Um, out of interest, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head, how many players who play for Hearts have also played for England? Can we oh. have Kevin? Ke- can we have Kevin Keegan because he played in a testimonial? Can, can you allow me? I'll accept that, that as a as a wild right. card. Okay, so 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 there's one. So you can have Kevin Keegan plus ten if you so wish. But how, can you think off the top of your head any other players that played uh, for spoke, England? We we spoke earlier about Andy Thorne. Jesus, you know what that is? What the hell is that? I've just sat on a teddy bear. It's a teddy bear of my daughter's, <laughs> and now my phone's going nuts. It's a teddy bear of my daughter's heart. Shush. Hold on. <laughs> that was my daughter's heartbeat at 28 weeks before she was born. We got a teddy. I've just sat on the teddy, and it's made that noise. Anyway, uh, we needed something random. Andy Thorne. Did Andy Thorne ever... Did he ever get capped by England? Um, I don't... I wouldn't have thought I so, don't, but... I don't think so. He was, he was a, bit, a bit too much of a journeyman. But how many English internationals have, have played for hearts? That, there's a good one. Just, just as a random. He played um, for under-21s, by the way, Andy Thorne, but he never made, did, never made the full did, team. Did Phil Stamp ever play for the under-21s? I know he never played for England fully, but did he? Uh, prob- probably. But that, no, so that, that's a good one. So your homework for next week, because it's an international break, is a Hearts 11 who played for their country, but not Scotland, and not necessarily while they were at Hearts. I'm sure there's an easier way of saying that, but hey... That's what our homework is for this week. Okay, so get in touch. Uh, tweet at Around the Funnel or you can email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk. Thanks for tuning in uh, and we'll see you next time. Yeah.